Watch me keep this in the episode. Don't keep this in the episode. <laughs> I or really you want this, to. You could put this right at the start before the intro, you know, and just have that, have that like B-roll. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. Pre-roll. No, not pre-roll. It's, there's a name for it, I'm sure. I just don't know it. I'm not privy to this name. Yeah. I guess this is the intro now. Yep. Hello and welcome to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And today we're here to talk about Midnight Poppyland. This one is going to be fun. Yeah, Midnight Poppyland is an interesting one. This is going to be a little bit different than our usual episodes. It's not going to be a strict season one review. Although Midnight Poppyland is currently on a hiatus and it has completed its first season. Our chat today is going to be a little bit more general a more general analysis and critique of the story so far and that's kind of what we've got planned as usual we'll be spoiling everything from season one so (laughs) strap right in and let's get into it Tell me your first, I don't know, tell me how you first came upon Midnight Poppyland, what you thought at the time. I'm just curious because I think we had different journeys to finding this story. Midnight Poppyland was one that you actually recommended to me, Crudy, along with Lore Olympus and I think Sub Zero at the time and a few other romance webtoons. Yeah, you weren't really reading too many romance webtoons at the time and I think that was sort of a hump that you kind of had to get over a little bit (laughs) yeah for sure a lot of the really big heavy hitting romance webtoons it took me a while to get into it took a little bit of a mindset shift for me I don't naturally gravitate towards romance stories but there are things in all the webtoons I just mentioned including Minette Poppyland to enjoy for people regardless of whether you're into romance stories or not that's actually a little bit of a lie because I know you grew up reading shoujo manga and you like romance but i think you've just been burned a little bit on some romance stories or you just needed to kind of i mean as you said shift your mindset a little bit to get into a more of a romance story i don't know you talk about it because this is your experience so i don't want to talk for you thank you i think i will crudy It's almost like you are known for speaking well about subjects and that you can do so well in an audio format. Almost a little bit like that. Whoa, and it's like we're talking about it on a podcast or something. Weird. I know. We should we should start one. That would be cool, I think. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, Curdy. Anyway, keep going. Continue. As you said, I read a lot of shoujo manga as a kid. I read all of the manga that were available at my local library. I included a large section of shoujo manga, which for those who don't know, are stories that are aimed at young girls. So typically they're romance focused stories. So I'm not a stranger to romance stories. In fact, I do have a little bit of soft spot for certain kinds, but Midnight Poppyland was not one of them initially. Yeah, I don't think it's ever been one of your super top favorite romances. And I would probably say the same for me as well. 
but I do remember when I first read it, I really got sucked into the chemistry that Tor and Poppy have, which I still think is actually a really strong point of the story, which is really actually really important for a romance to have a romance with chemistry. When you have 2D characters like you do in webtoons, and I'm just talking about format here, not in who these characters are and how they come off the page, but having 2D characters that are able to exhibit the kind of electric chemistry that Tor and Poppy sometimes have, that's not an easy thing to do. And it's something that really sells their relationship. And this is a romance, so it matters. I wholeheartedly agree. That is the biggest and highest point of Midnight Poppyland for me. And it makes sense. Um, a lot of the first season is focused on their relationship. And I think there are pros and cons to how it is done. But there are definitely a lot of high moments. Like when the story is just Tora and Poppy and it's just the two of them, you get sucked in. It's compelling. Yeah, as a reader, you can definitely feel the sparks flying off the page between the two of them in certain moments. Yes, although, and we have talked about this, their moments are not created equal. No, they are unfortunately not. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it really comes down to certain inconsistencies in plot and I think also in pacing. And that's kind of what we're going to be getting into now because while we do like certain aspects about Midnight Poppyland, there are also certain things that we either aren't into as much or there are just inconsistencies, things that just didn't work for us. So letting you know ahead of time what we're getting into here. Season one, as I said, is all about Tor and Poppy's relationship. But I'm going to be honest, it did feel like it was missing something for me. I think we needed something else built up in season one alongside Tor and Poppy's relationship. Because otherwise it felt too meandering. I think meandering is a good word to describe the overall flow of the story. Midnight Poppyland opens with kind of a gangster movie style setup. Someone has taken the hit and there's the notebook that... Poppy finds that can get her in deep water, and that's how she gets tangled with the mafia. And it has all the setup for like a serious, the stakes are really high, you don't know when the mafia is going to come after you kind of story. And it doesn't really go anywhere. That's my biggest issue with it. And I think you felt that too. I definitely did. Yeah, because that was my, that was the thing that I was thinking at the time. We start the story with you know, this murder or this grisly discovery and Poppy wanders upon something she shouldn't have. She finds a shoe and it's quickly discarded and Tora gets an SOS message from someone named Goliath who we know nothing about, but he's in trouble and we don't know what's happened. And to me, yeah, that was super interesting. I was like, oh, okay, I want to know what's going on here. But then it doesn't really go anywhere. Tora leaves as soon as he takes that photo of Poppy which is wild because his friend asked him for help, but then he leaves without helping his friend. Um, so I don't know what happened there. He didn't even look for, you know, like the body or something. I don't know. Or he didn't go exploring where Poppy came out of, you know, on the road. It just seemed like that was sort of an initial hook meant to draw us in, which it did. It worked. But then it wasn't really realized. And to clarify... By realized, do you mean in this moment in the story or for season one overall? I mean, 
just that we don't really get payoff from the setup. You know what I mean? You know, and I think Midnight Poppyland, you're right, like it did a good job in setting this up and it was very interesting, but we don't really feel the payoff from any of it. And we do see Goliath at the end of the season, but it's kind of weird that we don't really get anything in between. Yeah, it's the in-between, I think, that's the important part. We get moments of Tora and Poppy in between certain things, but after a certain point, the stakes of the story kind of take a backseat to the romance. Yeah, I think I understand what you're trying to get at. There are romance stories out there that focus on the relationship just between the two characters, and the relationship is strong enough to hold up the story. Tora and Poppy's relationship is not strong enough to hold up the entire story because you've set up so many other things as well. Tora's dangerous lifestyle, and not just his lifestyle, but his work. He is in the mafia. There are stakes attached to that. It's a slightly forbidden romance setup, and when you've got that kind of setup, you have to deliver on what makes it forbidden because otherwise it just feels very, I don't know if you pronounce it this way, milk toast. It feels very tepid. And that is unfortunately a little bit what happened. Yeah. One thing that sticks out to me is the fact that the story spends a little bit of time outlining how the tensions between the different clans has been growing and that Tora was sent to hit some of the other members of a different clan. And that all kind of takes a backseat despite it coming up and being really important in the moment. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like we didn't see enough of the danger of Tora's situation. Here's the thing. A lot of what builds the stakes for it being a forbidden romance, the reason why Tora is feeling kind of reticent and why he feels like he should get out of Poppy's life, a lot of that is Tora's internal monologue. We are told things rather than shown things. And we know that Lily Dusk knows how to make space for moments and show rather than tell. She does that expertly with Tora and Poppy's moments. We're not told that these two characters feel intense chemistry for each other. We just see it and we feel it as a result on the page between these two characters. We don't have that same experience with the danger, with the consequences of them acting on that relationship. And that's why we don't feel the stakes as much. If we had seen Tora being under some kind of pressure, instead we just see him being a badass a lot, which is totally fine. But, you know, it just, it doesn't do as much to make Tora and Poppy's, the stakes of their relationship feel real. Yeah, there is one moment that I can recall where the stakes and the romance intertwine. And it's one of my favorite moments of all of season one. And it's a scene where Tora and Poppy go up on the mountain before Tora says he has to go. It's a really, really juicy and really great moment between the two of them because the stakes have come together and it gets in the way of their romance and Tora knows he has to go. And unfortunately, it's not ruined, but it kind of gets... Maybe the wind taken out of its sails? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because the very next day, Tora shows right back up in front of Poppy. Yeah, she literally sees him, like, the next day. So all of the angst and the drama that you have built up in the previous scene, it's like, oh, pop, 
goes the bubble that you have set up so nicely. Yeah, and it feels kind of bad because the previous scene, them together, is so good. It's so well done mm-hmm. that I, I could go on and on about how much I love this scene from Midnight Poppyland. And I won't hear, but for me at least, it highlights the kind of unevenness of Midnight Poppyland's pacing. Maybe you should. I feel like people wouldn't mind hearing how much you love that scene between Tora and Poppy. And I'm honestly, for the record, I really love that scene too. You're absolutely right. It was just so intimate. And we talk about this all the time with Purple Hyacinth. It's the quiet, intimate moments that you love the most, that grip you the most. And this was one such moment for them. It was. I have a huge soft spot for when one of the characters just has to go. I don't know what it is, but that, (laughs) it just gets me right in my heart. Gets you right in the feels. Yeah, yeah, it does. That aside, you're right. You absolutely nailed it. The quiet moments are definitely the best. The quiet moments between Tora and Poppy are so sweet and so intimate. And even the setup for how they got up here, the time they spend in Poppy's apartment, is so sweet. It's so juicy, and I absolutely loved every moment of it. There's just a couple of standout moments when I think of Tor and Poppy in their relationship. I really liked, I think, the restaurant. I really liked that moment because it was just, I don't know, there was something about just the panels and how everything was put together and how Tora and Poppy would look at each other. It just really worked for me. And the rooftop moment was great because... It was a little bit of a watershed moment. It was a bit of a decision that they both made with each other. Tora, he he just wanted to be honest. He didn't want to hide. He had a choice where he could have hidden, but he chose to be honest, which I think that was an internal choice he made because he understood and he accepted his feelings for Poppy in a certain way. And that is why I call it a watershed moment. And with Poppy... She made a choice too, a very clear choice to accept that, even though she knew, both of them knew, and they're aware, and this is what makes it so powerful. Again, this is the thing that makes their relationship compelling is because it is slightly forbidden, and because it kind of cannot be. And that moment spoke to that. They both are aware that there's something unspoken there that they can't touch on, but they also can ignore what's between them. And that's what made it so good. Absolutely. I'm getting excited thinking back about this scene just because of how much I love it. And this is what makes reading Midnight Poppyland a little bit frustrating, I'll be honest. Because you have these really high highs, but then you also have these weird stakes and pacing and everything we've just discussed. It makes... At least me, I don't know for you, Kriti, it makes me wish that the webtoon was, you know, all high highs. Yeah, same. There is so much good stuff about Tor and Poppy's relationship. I just wish some of the tension was ratcheted up. This is probably the best way to put it. All of the focus and the emphasis we got on Tora and Poppy's relationship, basically all of the buildup we got for Tora and Poppy's relationship in season one. It would have been so great if we had gotten equally the same amount of buildup in other areas, like with 
the growing relationship, we could have had like the growing tension. Because otherwise, you know, what makes Torn Poppy's relationship work? In the story, I should say, just not as an overall, but just make it work in the story and feel like there's some sense of urgency is the very thing that would be pulling them apart. It would be the mafia, it would be Tora's situation, it would be the notebook. We spent all season looking for the notebook. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember there being a resolution with that. We didn't really take that anywhere other than it being a device to sort of pull Tora towards Poppy. It shows up again when Poppy's boss kind of fiddles through her things looking for it. But other than that, it, you're right. It really does take a backseat overall. Yeah, exactly. Like, we get little hints. And to me, that's a sort of an example of, like, we get these tiny hints, these small attempts to sort of build up other things in the plot. The hint about the rats and the sabotage, um, along with, you know, you're right, as you said, the moment with her boss, Gil, looking through her things and being kind of shady, along with that conversation that Tora overhears in an alleyway in Airy Street about there being a brewing clan war. These are all things that we sort of get hinted at, but it's not followed up on in any significant way. Basically, all roads of the plot, it, it feels like, lead back to Tora and Poppy having another moment. Yeah, it does feel like the story does that sometimes, where it just looks to set up the next juicy moment between Tora and Poppy. And that isn't to say that these moments aren't juicy, but they seem to lack the pulp in between. Yeah, the moments are fine in and of themselves, but they're missing the thing that would elevate them beyond just a great moment between two characters who have great chemistry. The thing that would elevate them beyond that, which is everything around them in the story, working in tandem with that moment. Let's talk a little bit, too, about the individual characters themselves, because I know you had some points about Tora that you wanted to bring up. Tora, he, I mean, I don't know about you, but this character is such a stereotype in some ways. It's like the gangster with the heart of gold, or the bad boy with the heart of gold. Or actually, I think what probably is more accurate to Tora is like the hidden heart of gold trope. Like, no one knows he has a heart of gold, but he's got a heart of gold, and he's actually kind of like a good guy. But um, this doesn't really mean anything. I just thought it was kind of interesting and just a funny connection. But he has endured a lot of abuse and trauma and just horrible things that he's had to experience growing up. And his life in the mafia hasn't been easy either. And considering all of that, he strikes me as being kind of almost unusually emotionally intelligent and developed. I say that because it is very difficult to exhibit the kind of emotional intelligence that he does in his conversation with Poppy on the mountain. Like, that was such a beautiful moment. And it's very difficult to do that without having either some kind of support or having, like, worked on yourself to that degree. And uh, I know that there is an explanation here of, you know, Alice and her policeman's son kind of taking him in and offering him affection and support. But I, I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more of, like, what makes Tora who he is, what is motivating him, what is pushing him. And in that vein, I wanted to see more of his life before Poppy. And by that I mean, we know that Poppy has come into his life and changed him for the better, or offered him 
kind of a new life that he didn't dare hope for before. But I wish we had seen him in the flashbacks that we've gotten be more dissatisfied with his life. Because we do get flashbacks, but we really just kind of see him be a badass and, you know, beat up people and stuff or, or, or whatever it is, right? Uh, he's in the mafia. I wish we had gotten more hints of that. It didn't need to be obvious, but just a hint that he was kind of restless or dissatisfied with his life. And I think that would have made those moments with Poppy and his relationship to Poppy, it would have given it like sort of this new significance. Yeah, it's sort of just implied. And I, I agree. It, it would have gone a long way for us to see that or at least hear it from him in some way, shape or form. Yeah, it would have just added, you know, just it would have given more oomph to the romance uh, if we saw actually what Poppy meant to him. And not just meant to him, but it would have set up the reason that Tora would be willing to fight for that relationship. And not to say there aren't reasons for him to do that already, but it would have added we keep saying stakes, but it's true. It would have added more stakes behind his reason to fight for that relationship because what he found with her has been the missing piece that he's looking for. That isn't to say there isn't any investment. Mid-Eye Poppyland does a really good job of, as we said earlier, showing you and not telling you. And so we get shown that Tora really does care and he really is interested and invested in, in Poppy, but having a little bit more of the setup as you described would help sell that a little bit more. I think it would have made it hit a little bit more. We get that lovely sequence of Tora as a child, and I love this moment because it was done so well. We get that lovely sequence of Tora as a child, and he's been kind of left behind as he normally was, you know, growing up by Vincent Balchman. And he's dirty, he's young, he's sort of just like in despair and then he looks and he turns next to him on the beach and he sees this apparition of Poppy and he has this great moment and this is all a dream that he's having by the bay but there's this great moment where Poppy gives him these shells and he says like what if they wash away and she says they won't wash away if you keep them in your heart and he's like but what if that's not enough for me and she's like then I guess you'll have to choose like that moment was so good like it's Little moments like that, they would hit so much harder if we had had that set up beforehand. Because, you know, this is an example of us seeing how much Poppy means to him after they've had some interactions and all of that. But I think going beyond that, as we've been talking about, I don't want to repeat too much, it would have really, I don't know how to say this, added some spice. It would have added some spice. It definitely would have. But I think we can move on to Poppy. What are your thoughts on Poppy, Will? I think I speak for the both of us. There's a lot of things we do like about Poppy. Yeah, she has a lot of great little practical moments that I personally find very relatable. Something that got to me was when she was with Erdine and she was talking about basically her philosophy and approach to moving around the world as a physically smaller person. And to me, that was like, this is so real. I just felt in that moment that this is super real. This is a real thing that people face, that people deal with on a regular basis. They have to alter how they respond to situations and to people to protect themselves. And this is not just a small person thing. Any person who is disadvantaged in some way, yada, 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 we all have to do this. 
that was a small moment that got to me. And um, I know, Will, I think you related to that first episode when we met Poppy, when she catches Jewelry cheating on her and she's like holding her eyes open and she's like, I'm not going to cry right now. I'm not going to cry right now. Yeah, it's a moment that hit me really hard because I think a lot of us have been there where you think to yourself, I don't want to cry right now and I'm not going to. I'm not going to cry right now. And you don't. You tell yourself you're going to feel it later and you hold it in. Yeah, it's a relatable moment for many of us where you have an emotional reaction and you just like, okay, I'm going to shelve this. I got to shelve it and we will deal with you later. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, no, 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 you go, you go in that corner right now. <laughs> I'm not dealing with you right this second. Go away. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, yeah, Poppy, that was a great little moment from her. She's got a lot of the characteristics of, I guess, like a typical candy type character that they tend to have where she's hardworking. She doesn't let setbacks get her down. She's determined to do better. But Poppy has a little bit more depth than that. We see her emotionally reacting to situations, as we've just said, you know, from the pilot, she has an emotional reaction and we see her kind of like shove it down. And she does that in other situations as well. So she's not just a perpetually sunny character. She has thoughts and emotions and feelings. And she also wasn't always this hardworking, determined, gritty character. A lot of that has to do with her life experience, everything that she's gone through. She wasn't super hardworking before her dad died. He kind of wished that she was, that she would get out and do more stuff. And she was like, I just want to watch TV. They're about to kiss. But then he died, you know? And death changes us. Loss changes us. And this is something that I kind of understood because this has happened to somebody in my life where your approach to life changes. And especially when you um, lose a parent that young and Poppy was pretty young. And she kind of had to find her own way in a lot of ways. So I think it made sense to me that she is this determined and gritty and that she's just very persistent about her goals and moving towards the thing she is. And that's why she chases after Mr. Lamb the way she does. She's just, I don't know, she's just a good egg. Yeah, she is. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. I know it's a little bit different than our usual season reviews, but hopefully you all enjoyed this too. And I know we've got a lot of Midnight Poppyland fans out there, which is awesome. So I hope you all were able to take something productive from our analysis, from our critique. Stories are subjective at the end of the day, so it is totally awesome and totally great to have different opinions on things and to have different reactions to different stories. Yeah, and I do want to emphasize though that we did enjoy our time with Midnight Poppy Land and none of what we said should detract from that. If you enjoy it, that's awesome and we are definitely happy for you. And if you want to chat with us about your enjoyment about Midnight Poppy Land, feel free to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at the Webtoon Room on both of those platforms. We'd be happy to chat with you guys there. If you'd like to reach out to us with anything over email, that is at thewebtoonroom at gmail.com. 
again, thank you all so much for sitting here and hanging out with us on this podcast episode. It is such a joy to make content for you all every week. It's wonderful. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye.